Station 11, the remainder of the series, we're going to cover in, in one shot. Got a lot of material. <laughs> we're going to yeah. keep it. <laughs> but also a lot of themes that unify the whole thing. Yes, they really, yeah. it did all come together at the end. I wanted to start kind of where we left off in our first recap. Uh, you know, we talked then after just one episode about why anyone would want to watch a show about a pandemic that wipes out most of the world while we're in the middle of a pandemic ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in that first episode, you know, we noted that there were moments of kindness and there was this promise that this would be a story of hope and how art could provide, you know, a bomb, like B-A-L-M, bomb. And at that point, you know, we weren't sure. You know, we just saw, you know, glimpses of that, but but that was that was our understanding. And now having watched the entire series, like that's the part I think I enjoyed the most, I think, given the circumstances that we're all in right now. I, the moments of connection, the creation of communities, the power of theater, you know, that sort of theme that ran throughout, I really enjoyed. Um, there was uh, Patrick Somerville, who's the creator and showrunner, you know, I, I read that he said when he was pitching Station Eleven, the adaptation, it was long before anyone had heard of COVID-19, and he was pitching <laughs> it as a post-apocalyptic show about joy. And mm. to me, that's what makes this so different from other post-apocalyptic end-of-world type shows. Like, I watched The Leftovers, Walking Dead. I mean, even Lost, in a way, is similar. You know, just like something crazy happens and there's just people left over, right? And this right. feels so different uh, than those to me. I mean, it doesn't feel like... A survival story even though clearly these are the survivors literally of this pandemic but it doesn't it doesn't feel like that and that's why I think the motto of the traveling symphony is so yeah. perfect yeah, be, yeah. Their, their motto is because survival is insufficient and we know that they do what they do because just surviving isn't enough you know there needs to be living and creating yeah. and you know, for them, that's the creation of a Shakespeare troupe, you know, working together to create art, um, you know, for others in it. It was converting a big box store into a maternity ward to deliver babies, to like literally bring new life into the world. Um, then there, yeah. you know, there was the people at the Severn City Airport. For them, it was creating, you know, a classroom where children are taught, creating a museum where we do still acknowledge our past. Um, and so... I think in a show that's that's told in this non-linear, you know, almost like disassociative way, at least it was for me, I needed a thread to sort of bind mm. the episodes together, a theme, if you will. And, and this one did do that for me in a way I don't think would have had the same effect if I was not watching this a few years into an actual mm. pandemic. I think it resonated for me uh, now. Yeah. I don't know. I... I read the book. Right. I had beforehand. a very different experience yeah. on both on both counts, the the where we are in the pandemic and then also the book. Uh, I read the book at a time when I was definitely struggling with. I read it when it came out mm -hmm. and it was at, at that time as as I often was still am maybe, I don't know, wrestling with you know kind of a a former self and 
who is very logical, who is a lawyer, who is practical, and also this creative artistic self. And it felt very much like validation for me that mm. that being a lawyer and, and the work I was doing felt like pure survival yeah. on my point and that that was insufficient. And so I did take that away even without that. I think, but it, you're right, it does resonate on a whole different level now. Yeah, that's interesting because you took it, I think, you extrapolated that really well at the time. Like, meaning that theme obviously came through to you when it wasn't so literally on the nose as it is now. Um, well, it is It is really, it's a strong theme in the book yeah, as well. Yes, it yes. It's very specific. Yes. You're right. Oh, oh, but you meant in the world. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, you figured see. it out and saw it and applied it to your life, and like you're saying, in a way that maybe right. some people wouldn't have been able to if it wasn't at now actually happening uh, in right. a more literal Survival, way. Yes. Meaning, as oppo- exactly. As opposed to just thinking that living, uh, doing my corporate yes. legal job was, was, was insufficient because yeah. that was just survival. Okay, I see. Yeah, yes, because yes, yes, now yes. we've all yes. spent some portion of the last two plus years mostly locked away in our homes, right? With our kids and our family and not mm-hmm. knowing what's going to mm-hmm. happen and trying to work and trying to parent and literally trying to survive or make it through the day in a way that we had never experienced yeah. before. And you start to notice, I think most of us have, like the absence of friends and socializing or going to work and interacting with people is harming you mentally it's like takes its psychological toll and i think it's because we realized what the traveling symphony was saying that survival is insufficient you you start to realize or i think have a new appreciation for the moments where we really get to live and those moments for people now i think are highlighted you know when they get to reconnect with family for the first time you you know you see people put this on social media like finally got to hug sure, my mother sure. or yeah. you know got to go back to the theater and see a live show or reconnect with friends and so for me i think the show was a good reminder about how from a mental health perspective you know we have to try and not just survive these days and weeks and months of this pandemic but but to live it and to try and create and try to connect. And I mean, for me, this podcast really did it, right? Because sure. during the pandemic, right, was when we got to do all these author interviews, for example, because people could not go out on their media tours. And, you know, we were fortunate, I think, that there we had this outlet uh, when we were otherwise trapped inside to connect through a computer, but to talk to people and, and to talk to each other and to... We had more time, I think, because we were home to create something that has sustained me, I will say. And I think yeah. I'm speaking for both me of too. us. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that that theme that people had promised would come out in this, I wasn't sure having just watched the first one when we first did this. But it, yeah. it really did for me, having now seen the whole thing. Yeah. And see, for me, we had different experiences of this. One, because I had, I had known where, where that piece of it was going, uh, that art is healing and creation is important and all of that. And I had felt that very strongly when I read the book. And now, having watched the, the whole show, I, I agree that theme is just as strong. But I, so after the first episode, I got COVID. Right. And so I was very, I was struggling to even just put it on again. Mm-hmm. I really, it was, it felt beyond my 
possibility. Mm-hmm. And even that, even though I knew, I read the book, I knew it was going to be full of more hope than I expected. I don't know. It was a hard, it was hard. Yeah, the timing so for that's you. Why, yeah, and that, and not just me. I mean, yeah. I, I, lots of people came down with COVID again, this new variant. Uh, but at the end of December, early January, even now, it's still running rampant. Mm-hmm. And so that was harder to even just open it. And once you did, once I started watching again and I got into it, it was worth it and not at all. It didn't feel like it was resonant with what what I had just gone through and having it. So it, it is separate. It is something completely different. It's a much different disease that, that takes over and, and all of it that happens is is very different. But it's still, it was hard. It was a hard threshold to kind of get over, which I feel bad for. That has nothing to do with the production, yeah. <laughs> the scripts, the direction, the set design, the acting, all of which is incredibly phenomenal. But it was a, it was a real barrier. It was a real emotional barrier for uh, me to I didn't, to get I could through. see that. Yeah. You know, he gets, yeah. Somerville gets asked a lot of questions about the timing, the timing of this, the timing of this, you know, and I mean, it, it, you know, he didn't plan for anything. And, no. and even the fact that, like you're saying, when it aired, that was when a resurgence was happening. I mean, he could have never know. known any of this. And it's just, it, it's no. really surreal. And I, yeah, I didn't even think of it for you personally. The timing yeah. was extra, uh, I don't know what the word is, yeah. but difficult. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was a challenge. It was definitely a challenge. Mm. But then once I watched it, I don't know, you want to call it the lost daughter effect. <laughs> I... I saw so many now I knew that the theme of survival is insufficient I completely signed on to it I loved it I was waiting for it in this and and it paid off but the parenting thing was not something I kind of understood Mm. in the book uh maybe I just maybe it was different seeing it because there aren't actual biological you know, very few biological family members, and certainly not mothers and daughters and fathers and daughters, but there are relationships that have the dynamics of parent and child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that really that really stood out for me when I watched it this time. And it seems to be a theme. Talk about timing is coming. I just rewatched uh, season three of Ozark. And a line jumped out at me that I that I had obviously heard before in early in the pandemic, but now when um, Wendy says, "You can't fuck with the children of powerful yes, people," that's and I'm right. Like, oh yeah, and she's like, she goes oh, on like, you yeah, can't, can't fuck with anybody. Yeah, kids, exactly. I was just gonna but say, definitely not powerful people. So, and then I also was looking at the uh, astrology for the next week. Apparently, something is happening with Mercury conjunction with the sun <laughs> oh boy that's all about reparenting oh, that's this week wow yeah so i don't know again I, I could call it lost daughter i could call it lots of things but it's obviously in the air for me is to see this this parenting dynamic and we see it in jeevan and kirsten and then later in that in the first hundred days and then Kirsten and Alex later on Mm -hmm. we obviously see it with Tyler and his mom Elizabeth Mm -hmm. but also I mean the first thing that struck me was watching the prophet 
Tyler walk around with all of these kids and I'm like who wants all those kids yeah, exactly. following around like that that's that is terrible that is more than I can handle what are you doing yes first of all it's very creepy too it's just like when they come out of the field it reminded me of like children of the yeah. corn which is still the mm. most frightening movie I ever watched as a child but you know they just sort of like appear out of the field yes yeah but he has lots of kids in his care yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. And when he talks about like telling them a story to make them fall asleep, I'm like, you got to put all those kids yeah. to bed, ho. <laughs> I know. Jesus. How did he do that? Exactly. Quit being the prophet, dude. Yeah. This is terrible. That's that's not a good idea. But there is this constant playing out of the push and pull of the old and the young. And I don't mean old a number or young a number. I mean in relative, uh, relative to one another, right? Yes. There is young Kirsten pushing back on Jeevan and saying like we got to do something new we got to get out of here we got to do something and he's like no 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 we have to stay you know stay the course do be safe and there's just it's a push and pull between wanting to find and that's a younger perspective right wanting to try something new changing things to figure out like does this work does this work and and they're trying to get that experience but the older person and not again not old but the older person has they already know what works. Yeah. They already know what doesn't work. And they want to, and in these cases especially, they really want to desperately cling to it. So some of that is personality, but it's really also, in this case, it's really phase, phase of life. Right. And, and the same with we, Kirsten and Alex. That replays. Yep. There's a parallel of yeah. that too, of Alex yep. pushing back on Kirsten and Kirsten parenting in say, the way she was parented yeah. by Jivan. And the funny thing is we see her taking two different roles. Yeah. That's how we know it's not just about personality because Kirsten pushes against Jeevan when he's like, you know, we got to stay in here and we, we have to, you know, we can't go back out. We can't look for people. And meanwhile, when Alex is saying, I want to go out there, I want to know what else. She's like, no, just stick to mm-hmm. the plan. This is how we do it. We stay on the course. You do not get off it. Yeah. And those are just very relatable uh, dynamics of, of of parent child and yeah. what, what that is and even arthur and then, yeah. i mean arthur was actually tyler's father but was a father figure for kirsten and they they sort of yes. share that in common too another parent child relationship literally and figuratively yes yes I, I thought that was very sweet too when clark tells her yeah that arthur loved her yeah you're kiki had, he's like you're kiki she, yeah, which she had had no doubt about. She knew she loved him and she knew he loved her, but that was a nice moment. But the moment, there were some lines when I just couldn't, I, I, they, I just, they cut to my core. One of them was in episode four when Kirsten and Alex are fighting. And the, it, they're doing the play, the new version of the play, uh, where Alex is the star and but it's in the context of them fighting and the line uh alex says to kirsten you're fake and and uh, kirsten says my love is real mm. you just can't see it you're inside of it i knit you out of it oh. and i'm like oh jesus that doesn't feel like what it feels like to be a parent yeah. and when when they're pushing back on you and acting like you're trying to be an obstacle and really you're just trying to guide them and and it's so full of love and care mm. and they don't see it they see it as harsh and because and they're in it against yeah. them yeah uh and then in the, in the 
final, I'm sure we'll come back to this, but I just want to say the line when Kirsten in episode 10 at the end when they're reunited, she says, I was never scared mm. with you to Jeevan. And Jeevan said, I was scared all, all the, the time. time. I know. Oh. Which is what how we as oh. parents feel, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, scared yeah. I mean, all that, the time. Yeah. That so those moments really, really spoke to me and those dynamics really spoke to me. Yeah. And I think it's also this exploration of found family you know like you pointed out there's really only a few that are actually biological parent child and given the catastrophic loss experienced by people due to this pandemic they're forced to find and create new families and new communities and there's a line that's actually said twice like uh, just someone I ended up with so Jivan says it about Kirsten to someone and Rose before she gives birth says it about Tyler who she's waiting for at the maternity ward if you will and you know we don't we don't find out much about their connection but clearly Kirsten is more than just someone Jivon ended up with but that's just which by the way is I, I forgot to note that is not in the book yes I did know that I did read that this relationship has been very much that was the most embellished or part. added yes mm-hmm. that was the most wonderful part for me yeah to, to see that whole relationship that was just not even there so I had nothing to compare it with but yet they had crossed paths but then they just that that night it was it it was like okay bye bye yeah and this was a hugely different uh yeah, yeah. but yeah they're and, they're not just people. and it ended up being like the most exactly emotional resonating piece of the whole thing and it was it was the thread that went from the beginning to end because they're not together for a lot of the time in the middle well none in the now mm-hmm. but we do get flashback episodes but yeah, yeah. i mean i think yeah. i watched ever since i knew jivan was alive i watched I think almost exclusively to see whether they'd have a reunion. I mean, I was, it, it, I, to your point, like, oh, I, it, that's so funny. Oh, it meant so much to me, this Jivon oh, and Kirsten, wow. that I was waiting for that reconnection for them to come back together so badly. Oh, wow. And I was thinking, I don't care if they do or not. Oh, yeah. And I really wanted them to. Well, only, uh, I, no, I, that's not the right word. I, it's not that I didn't care, I didn't care if I got to see it. Because I believed that, oh, okay. you know, that line that line that they say over and over, and uh, you know, I've seen, I've met you before nine yes. times, ten times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew they were, they would be back together. I just didn't know if we would get to see it because it was a little touching. Oh, like, completely. Saw, yeah, that okay, last okay. seat, uh, that yeah. last episode in the finale. I, I about three quarters of the way through, I'm like, oh, they do not even tell me that they are not going to run into each other. I'm like, they cannot just miss each other. No, no, no. And actually... I would have been okay with it either way, but it was beautiful. It's so funny because he also... Patrick Somerville gets asked about that a lot because it's you know were you did you ever consider them not like to your what you're saying they're just like having yeah. them just miss each other and he's like never it was always my final <laughs> scene and Aww. but he said it's because it, it's in like he thought it would have been cruel to not have them have that moment or for viewers to have that moment that he felt like that was always what he knew the last scene would be um but I was yeah I was waiting for that I really was because I just felt like it maybe I like some closure and you know she had learned to you know 
she she he had left she thought he had left her and i wanted her to know and have this like moment together i don't know I, it was beautiful yeah. but i was yeah. i was it rooting was. for it and so yeah i just you know they're not just someone i ended up with like these people are people you form bonds with that are as strong or stronger than family so i i liked that aspect too and and yeah i think that final scene about parenting to just go with your point i mean when he says to kirsten raising kids is hard you go in and out of sync like a yo-yo you love them but you get angry you scare them they run away and then like you said she's like i was never scared with you and he says i was always Mm -hmm. scared uh but oh, that 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 moment yeah. what the, there's a fork in the road and he says there oh, goes God. your family but really i'm like yes but she's his family too and but then you have that nice moment where she's like i i'll put the airport on the wheel bring your family next year and he's like mm-hmm. they all know about you i tell them the story so yeah they mm-hmm. found he actually now yeah. literally has a family and that he's now like a biological family but and she yeah. has her found family and yeah the the parenting and the family themes i i really like that aspect too yeah and to that point the found family thing i'm and the nine times and all of that i'm the whole nothing is random yes that is that was uh, i don't know i just i don't care how forced it feels or it never felt forced to me. I I love those kind of things. And even Miranda, the pilot oh, that yes. she calls, his name is Hugo, and then we get to see that her whole family died in Hurricane Hugo. And, oh, I just, all of those little yes. moments of connection. And, and like you've already mentioned, how uh, Kirsten and Tyler are connected, even though they're really not at all, and but they're connected by Arthur and... And how Jivan oh. gave birth was there when Alex was born, but then yes. then that's later who Kirsten essentially parents. It's a mm-hmm. and these connections they you, they come because again of the nonlinear storytelling. I mean, they just come out at all different little moments. You're like collecting these bits and then piecing them all together, and and they don't always all fit. There are things I think that are still kind of open ended. They don't really try to answer you know every question and tie it all up neatly I just felt like or just like sprinkled throughout you know yeah I just I because I felt like the answer was always it's connected somehow yeah even though if I don't know it or I haven't seen it yet I just I just trusted and knew mm-hmm. that they were they were connected because everything seemed to be nothing seemed to be random nothing was an accident everybody crossed paths when and how they were supposed to yeah 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 I that like i left yes yeah oh um yeah i'm you had mentioned before when we were talking uh, we we weren't doing a who who won the show but if we were i think we each had one mine was definitely the moment in episode two when uh it, or, or i guess it's really hamlet the play i don't know it what it would be but it was that moment when she is Kirsten is performing and it's dark the set is dark and there's the fire and the weird but awesome costumes oh, the costumes that made. major shout yeah. out to those wow yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mo- oh, the whole show's. Yeah, but I mean, design. particularly during yeah. the, whenever the yeah. symphony is performing, they, the recycled products the, that are yes, made the in golf gloves. Unbelievable. That are, yeah. So yeah. cool. So, and she's flashing back. And now it obviously takes us out of the story. She's there performing, but I, I loved it. It was, I'm okay with cutting the, pro- like the, the momentum when you're going deeper yes i, I loved it mm. I, I just and sometimes if something's moving too quickly that can be a good thing slow it down by going deeper into backstory and and the way they're just intertwined young kirsten finding out getting those text messages mm, yes oh and that her parents are dead and don't come here no everyone's dead i mean it's a devastating Mm. moment and present day Kirsten brings all of that emotion of remembering that that day and that moment to her acting and oh it was so powerful and the music of course and everything was just so beautiful oh I mean listen there's that joke uh when (laughs) I don't think no it was supposed to be a joke but I laughed when uh uh Jivan has been bit by the wolf um, and he's like bleeding out literally in the snow and he's he's he had been going to get station 11 her book back and he's like looks at it and he's like so pretentious or whatever and and <laughs> I just laugh like you know and I do think that's a little tongue-in-cheek about some of this you know can seemingly be pretentious all of this like Shakespeare and 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 things but they do such a good job like you said like that scene you're talking about I mean yes it's mm. Hamlet related but but you're that's not what you're focused on. You're focused on Kirsten yeah. and the emotional effect. And even yeah. that finale, which is very Hamlet focused, you know, I was saying to you earlier, I'm like, wow, like Hamlet in Station Eleven is hopeful. Hamlet is healing. In real life, Hamlet is is not yeah. that. I mean, Hamlet's this a revenge story of, you know, Hamlet trying to get revenge from his uncle Claudius who murdered Hamlet's father in order to seize the throne and marry Hamlet's mother I mean this is it's a it's destruction and revenge and in this finale it's actually beautiful it's a way for Tyler and Elizabeth to heal mm-hmm. and and for Tyler to get some healing about his own father. I mean, he he switches out the knife. You know, Alex gives him a, the real knife instead of the prop knife. And it could have gone the way of Hamlet. I mean, Tyler could have, mm-hmm. you know, knifed Clark um, mm-hmm. as, you know, playing Uncle Claudius. But, you know, he says, I loved him too about his dad. And I think yeah. there's just in that moment, this decades of anger and animosity that Tyler's been carrying around kind of, melt away and and there there's obviously healing with his mother in that and so I was like that's another way again in which this is is a hopeful story they even take Hamlet and make it hopeful and I don't (laughs) think it was pretty heavy on the Hamlet in the last one and yeah you know but and I think there is always a danger that that can be distracting or too pretentious to to use Juvon's but but it didn't do that for me and i think that's a credit to to them to use that material and i don't think because i wondered about this too that if people don't know hamlet that well and i'm not i'm not a hamlet scholar at all i was an english major so i had to read a lot of shakespeare but believe me that was the last time i read it so um 
I didn't find it distracting. I wondered, I, I assume, hopefully it wasn't for others either, but I think that I thought they did a nice balance with that. Yes. Yeah. Because they made it so personal. Yeah. It, it, nothing played out as a play. It really was with the, with the either like in episode two, literally cutting to flashbacks of young Kirsten finding out her parents are dead and, and coming to terms with everything that was going on. And then also we're in the last episode, we're seeing Tyler and him Mm -hmm. actually coming to terms with what, what happened then. So they made it so personal. So that's why I think it worked for me. Yeah. Yeah. But then there, and there was that moment, this is what I was talking about in the lost daughter that just that brief moment of authenticity between Tyler and Elizabeth when he's like, yeah, I'm going to go out. You should come. Yes. And she's like, okay. Yes. It was not a big conversation. Mm-hmm. It was not a therapy session. It was not a let's dig deep into this. It was a moment of authenticity. Like, hey, let's let, let we're going to be in this together. We're, we're in this. Well, and that was what I was missing in The Lost Daughter. That's so in the movie. true. I get what you're saying now because it's a small point. But it, she did previously ask him in that episode why, you know, when he left the first time, like, why didn't you ask me to go? And so mm-hmm. now for him to just say that one thing, to make that offer, that gesture, it means everything. Hey, it means yeah. everything. And mm-hmm. you're right. From this point now, they leave. You can envision that there is healing that now they'll start maybe talking and that this just but that one moment allows you to see where it can go even though you don't need to get it all now yeah that's true that's good look at that Mm. wow well i was also thinking with all this hamlet and you know it opens with king lear that (laughs) is that i'm like shakespeare is really having a moment right now i mean this and succession which we covered but never talked about how it's based on king lear too um that's a big theme in that the tragedy of Macbeth, the the movie with denzel washington and francis mcdormand is like people are raving about right now west side story which is also getting all these accolades and is based on romeo and juliet i'm like geez shakespeare is really he's i guess he never really goes out of style but i just feel like so much (laughs) right now is is Shakespearean or focus. I was like, look at that. He's having a moment. Okay. The old bard. There you go. Um, <laughs> but you said like who who or what won the movie for you and we're not doing that, but we both sort of have something. And for me, that was the music. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of instrumental and the scoring of the of the plays and whatnot, but for that's not, and that was, a lot of that was beautiful. But to me, it was these sort of more popular songs interspersed in in unexpected ways throughout it that that I I thought was fun and and gives you like sort of a a point of commonality or something like oh yeah like that that's so funny and it's kind of unexpected at times uh the the song choice I mean the first Noel Mm -hmm. when Kirsten sings that that's not one of that's not a good example of that but it was just beautiful to me I mean I had boy yeah yeah, just chills when when she sang Mm. that but then when with excursions by Tribe Called Quest when Frank's like rapping um, and then they all join in and dance and I thought that was an awesome scene and use of that song. There's, um, I don't know if you noticed, there's like an instrumental version of All Star by Smash Mouth 
Um, yeah, 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 the karaoke, yeah, the karaoke machine. machine. Yeah. Um, Stay by Lisa Loeb. I love that song. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Creep by TLC when the women are in the maternity yeah. ward was so. <laughs> that was a great scene. I thought. Um, Can I kick it by Tribe Called Quest is in there too. And then in the finale, just that woman singing Midnight Train to Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. also beautiful. I, I I thought the music was was a, a a bright spot for me too and and like I said some unexpected choices so I, I liked that you know I had a clear memory and I'm not sure do you ever have a clear memory and you're not sure if it's real or not yeah I had a clear memory that that you for your wedding mm. favors made a CD I did and was Midnight Train to Georgia on it no I feel like it wasn't okay. No. Um, I was 100% positive hmm. it was. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty positive. So I did make a CD, and what it was was songs that we asked our bridal party to pick that reminded them of us. So every song on Aww. it was picked by one by members of our bridal party. And I like yeah, that. we still have it. It's very cool. Uh, but that is not on it but i'm trying to think of what is on it that might make yeah right yes yeah oh i'm gonna go check that out for you we yeah Yeah. i'm like i gotta check that out that was fun though that was a good that was a good call oh that was yes that was a because actually for some of them i was like wait why did this person pick this like (laughs) like my best friend picked blackbird um, Blackbird oh. singing in the da yeah. And I was like, why yep. did she pay? Like, I didn't know what the significance was. Like, with some, right. I knew. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, they picked that because we used to sing right. it or whatever. But, yeah, there was some, and I was like, oh. Then it was interesting for me to figure out why they chose what they chose. That, I mean, it's just a beautiful, that's just a beautiful song. Yeah, it is. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um, okay, and then again we're not doing what she said i like we're not doing all these segments but yeah, we <laughs> kind of have it. something on and i just had to give a mention to jessica rhodes obviously we emily st john mandel wrote the book uh, and the, and i loved the book and so i think we talked about her a little bit on the first our first recap but jessica rhodes being a non-writing executive producer which is kind of a rare bird because she says her vision is just to help writers bring their vision to the screen. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to do, to, to get it from that on the paper, here's your beautiful vision and story in your head. What does that look like with all the constraints of Hollywood and sets and costume and casting and all of those things? Like, what does that look like? And that's, that's really what she wants to do. That's her dedication to this art. And she has worked with everyone I admire, and I just don't use the word worship because I don't want to scare anyone. But like, and these are <laughs> no, these are like my top people, right? She's worked with uh, Gillian Flynn, obviously. My, I, I, obviously, meaning I talk about her all the time. But she worked with her on Sharp Objects, and then on Utopia. Oh. She's worked with Marty Noxon. She's worked with Sarah Treem later in The Affair, which I think some the last season, which I think was was excellent. So she's a and now and now this she's a boss. I like yeah. Her. Look at I that. Follow her and yeah, yeah. 
interesting yes look at yeah. us with segments when we're there are no segments i know <laughs> exactly do, do you have any, oh i was just gonna mention to a random you had said the line that made you laugh also a line that made me laugh that made me think of parenting too was when the prophet says when tyler says why are you helping me to Kirsten? And she goes, because stabbing you didn't yeah. work. <laughs> that like, was good. That also feels like parenting because you want to like tell them, lock them in their room and tell them, mm-hmm. no, this isn't how it works. And then that's, you're like, well, I guess I'll just help them through it. Right, like as if those are the only two options, helping or yeah. stabbing. It does feel yeah. like that. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that's what they would think. And that was another theme that the show really did well with by showing us so many different facets of it and so many different angles on who you know the the station 11 motto or line in there was the to the monsters we're monsters Mm -hmm. and that is there was so much of like who is the bad guy here who is the good guy whose side you know who are we rooting for here and that was often very unclear and even when we were close with kirsten and, and her point of view even she changed, yeah, because she at first thought Tyler and the uh, as the prophet was someone very dangerous. She stabbed him. Yeah, she hoped he died, mm-hmm. and then she's helping him so in such an invested way that you're like, wait, who? Uh, she's protecting him. She's killing other people for him. Yes, and then he's she's helping his personal development. I mean, it was it was, and then at the airport when she is like, well, li- we've done performances and no one has ever locked us up before so and meanwhile the clark and and the people at the airport they're like well we have to preserve our community and you're outsiders and we don't know you mm-hmm. and that was another thing by the end kirsten is like strangers oh god stranger danger is like every moment of her life and yet jeevan was a stranger mm-hmm. and she would be dead without him yes it is so, very ambiguous you're right as to very. yeah and and that builds yeah. a lot of the tension too even though again that's yeah. not really what it's about there is no. this undercurrent of it that i think does keep you on edge sometimes um and i understand again i didn't read the book but you did that um the prophet was much more sinister and maybe did appear to be more of a quote-unquote bad guy in the yes. book um yes. and that here tyler is definitely it's definitely more ambiguous and and our views of him change as you said over time as kirsten's do he's got a lot more vulnerability uh you understand because of maybe his situation with his parents why he is the way he is and you know i i i don't think that that came across the same in the book and i think i like this more of yes. the ambiguous um who's the bad guy who's not and uh, yes i i that is one of the benefits that that i hadn't considered before of waiting a long time between the book and the movie or or the book and the Mm -hmm. tv show whatever the the adaptation is that you sort of forget these things and you just have the feeling of like oh i loved station 11 and you don't remember all of the details and all of the plot lines but you remember that you loved it and you're you want to watch it and that was a huge benefit for this was was that time that had gone by yeah that i wasn't worried about whether it was so faithful or not yes i just it worked yes yes he called it um patrick somerville called it an aggressive adaptation and i i do think Mm. yeah and but yet you know sometimes when people do that 
the purists, the book purists, get very, very angry. We talked about this yeah. a lot in Little Fire yes, Everywhere. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yep. And at least from the, all the things that I've read, even though he does seem to have changed significant things, including the ending, that I don't hear a lot of clamoring about it, that people feel as if it did capture it, which I sounds like you're saying too. I mean, there, there's yep. nothing where you're like, oh my God, how could he have done that or changed that? It seems like he really nailed the underlying themes, even though he did change things for television, which you need to do. Yeah. But it was more of like what he chose to focus on. Yeah. And, and there was, this is another thing with Station 11 that was so unusual. There's so much going on in the book and in the show that it wasn't like it was one person's story and you follow that one person's story and you know it by heart because this is her journey and this is it. This was so much, and so he chose to focus on different things and really kind of draw out different things. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't ever feel like a, it doesn't feel like a betrayal of the original work. It feels like an elaboration of it. Oh, so that's nice. he had that going for him, mm -hmm. which, which most books do not have. Most adaptations do not have. Right, right. Which there was a little bit of that with Little Fires Everywhere, too. So Yes, uh, that they did have although they really took license changing actual things but um did you hear have you heard the story about patrick somerville and emily uh st john mandel doing an event together no oh so this is it's just wonderful they were both authors i think they had published a few books at the time and they were pre, this was a long time ago. Uh, I think it was like 2011, he said, or 2012. Right, because he was a fiction writer before, right? Yes. yes. He okay. wrote novels. Yes. Yes. And he had, uh, you know, written a couple and they had decided to, their publisher had decided to put the two of them together at an event in a bookstore in Chicago, uh -huh. you know, just to like yeah. double the audience. Four people showed up. Mm. Four. Oh, they, they doubled like, the audience. <laughs> I guess it would have yeah, been two. Exactly. And, he was that was the first time they had ever met you know they whatever he drove her to the airport and they were both kind of saying how they had achieved the dream like this was their dream they were writers and people wanted their books and big publishers were paying them money to write books and they were freaking broke and this it wasn't coming through the way they had expected it to as like a life career and so you know Patrick had said he was driving and he said you know I, I, I think I'm going to try to get into TV and see I hear there's more money there so that's storytelling and I'll just do it that way and Emily is like you know what I think I have one book left I think I have one book that I'm really going to try to strike it hot for this one and like put everything into this one book and of course, oh, fast forward a few amazing. years later, he is doing, this is not his first TV, right. uh, foray into TV. And she had Station Eleven be a, a massive New York Times bestseller and a massive hit. And so that, I just thought that was so funny oh. that there they both were on the brink of like kind of packing it in and then going, you know what, I just, I think I I think I'm going to tweak this a little bit. And then that was like the thing but that launched. But you're also, this also speaks to the theme of Station Eleven, how people are connected in ways and then they comes back around, like full circle yeah. moments. Oh, yeah. In and out of each other's lives. Oh, I yeah. love that. Oh, that is a great story.